This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel, and I have to say we promised you part two of being in the Twilight Zone sometime last week, but I beefed it, we beefed it, some of the audio didn't come out clean. So what we're going to do today is we're going to dive into Tua Tungavailoa staying in Miami amidst all the Deshaun Watson rumors and what that could mean for the Miami Dolphins moving forward. But before we do that, I have to introduce the best co-host in the history of co-hosts, Joshua Hotz. How are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I definitely think you're the best co-host of all co-hosts in the world. But, um, you know, we talked about the Sean Watson. A lot of people, you know, they're up in arms going back and forth. But we're going to tell you why Tua Tungvaluwa is the best quarterback moving forward. And let's be honest, this is the most likely scenario. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did did definitely beef the audio last time. But a lot of things have come out, and there's a lot to talk about. So let's dive right into it, man. And that, I think, is what's kind of great. I think... Uh, people crave it and people like to talk about uh, news as it breaks, right? We love our Twitter. We love having some sort of news, whether it's uh, news news or even sports news on 24-7. We want to know as soon as news breaks and we want to talk about it. We want to think about it. But at the same time, you know, it, 
it's nice to let it digest a little bit. It's nice to kind of reflect, think about it, and, and really put together your thoughts on how you want to approach a subject. So the Deshaun Watson, I think it's safe to say we really just kind of went with the, the rumor of the day. Uh, we're going to try to kind of get a little broader picture here. Uh, but Josh, something I want to talk about first. Uh, Drew Brees, it looks like he's going to retire. Philip Rivers actually announces his retirement today. Today being Wednesday. And I just kind of wanted to talk about this for a minute. I have a tweet here from JJ Watt where he's talking about Philip Rivers and says, I'll never forget lining up for a play and Phil pointing out one of our linebackers and telling him he was lined up wrong based off the blitz we were about to run and being 100% correct about it. Ha ha. One of the smartest I've ever played against and a hell of a competitor. Josh, I just would like to get your opinion about this because uh, I'm younger. It's no surprise being 26 year old. I have a different perspective on football, on the NFL than you do. I mean, I can go back to sixth grade and think about the Phillip Rivers, the Eli Mannings, uh, that, that 2004 draft. I mean, that's kind of been my life. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, has kind of been my life. But seeing these guys start to retire that, you know, for, for most of my life, most of the time I followed football, they've been the faces of franchise. They've been the faces of the NFL. Like, there was no NFL without Peyton Manning. You know, there was no, I, I mean, I'm sure you thought that way about Dan Marino, even even though you saw it at that tail end. But but Josh, what does it feel different, you know, from what I'm saying for you, seeing these guys have these 10, 15 year careers and have it just be part of the story instead of in, in my perspective, be be kind of the full story in terms of my knowledge. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think what we're starting to see is that, you know, we know how important the quarterback is. And some of these guys, you know, we know what Phillip Rivers did throughout his career. It's so impressive. And Drew Brees, I mean, we could sit here and talk for hours about what could have happened if he came to Miami. But it just shows you how important the position is. And, you know, uh, before we got on the air here, you know, someone threw out, and I think he's a fantasy guy, and he said, you know, Phillip Rivers belongs in the Hall of Fame. If Dan Marino's in the Hall of Fame, Philip Rivers belongs there. And that, I mean, that to, to me, I, I was raged, you know, and you can see Dolphins Twitter going after him. But, um, you know, I, I think Philip Rivers, I think Philip Rivers, you know, I think he will be in the Hall of Fame. We know Drew Brees will. But um, what Dan Marino did, you know, before the NFL transformed into this passing league is just, you know, second to none. And when you look at the skill set, I mean, yes, they're both they both play quarterback. Yes, unfortunately, neither of them got a ring and, you know, they're big uh, white quarterbacks. But aside from that, I mean, what Dan Marino does is just something that we have never seen before in NFL history. So uh, no knock against Phillip Rivers with that. He will absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, maybe this opens up more talk, you know, because Carson Wentz is going to be on the move. And Frank Reich, uh, you know, they almost went to the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. So we could even talk about some of those free agent things way down the line in the Twilight Zone. But um, a great career for Philip Rivers. I, I, did Drew Brees officially hang up his cleats? I don't know if that's official yet, but it's all signs are pointing that way. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see the way New Orleans finds their next quarterback. The, the Senior Bowl is just a week away, Josh. And in order for the Dolphins coaching staff to, you know, be at the Senior Bowl, they they kind of need to put together a coaching staff still. Uh, you know, we, we had Chan Gailey resign. The the market for offensive coordinators is is quickly drying up, or at least it feels like that. Uh, we have news now that the Dolphins have parted ways with their offensive line coach. They actually promoted someone with from within the organization for that one. But Josh, you, they're not going to go into the senior bowl without an offensive coordinator. So with all that in mind, there's probably going to be news coming out later this week, early next week of what the Dolphins are going to do at that position. Where would you like to see the Dolphins go? Uh, Pep Hamilton is, is one of the names that was brought up quite a bit. Who's still on the market. And there's a couple in-house uh, options, but 
as I said in the Deshaun Watson show, I, I kind of want a saucy, big name, someone who has some experience to kind of come in and, and show that they're a great offensive mind. I mean, we saw Sean McVay copying what Chan Gailey did this weekend in the playoffs. So, I mean, while we want to knock Chan and while we can argue about there was two different yada, yada, yadas, but I kind of like having that experience, these trick plays that are, you know— re- Seen in the Sports Center top ten, I'd like some offensive coordinator to kind of come in and dazzle. And obviously, there are uh, first-time offensive coordinators who can come in and do that. But I just think I want someone who's been there, done that, uh, to really guide this shit moving forward. I think even in that last podcast, you know, that we couldn't use, I think I mentioned Doug Peterson and just you know bringing him back to Miami, what mm-hmm. that could be. Uh, and just to play devil's advocate though, with that, when you're hiring one of those guys who you know might he might land on his feet, he might go to Seattle, have a good year, and he might be a head coach, and you might be right back where he started. So, um, I mean, this is arguably the biggest decision that uh, Brian Flores has had to make because you know it's just says so much for what two is going to become moving forward and we saw the offense you know we talked about in previous shows it did hold this team back whether we want to admit it pep hamilton's a name being thrown out there we know anthony lynn's out there we hear mike kafka we hear we hear all the names but i think you know we heard that the dolphins promoted with from within the, the offensive line coach uh lemuel jean pair i think i said that right probably not someone will bash on us for that but you know they promoted him so to me that just points all signs to an in-house hire and you know george godsey eric studsville we know those are those two in-house candidates but you know how do their offensive look i mean We've seen Godsey call plays before in Houston a little bit, unless Bill O'Brien had to say that. I'm not entirely sure, but we have yet to see Studsville, you know, truly have that control. So do they go to the Senior Bowl this week? And is Brian Flores saying, no, let me see which one of these guys I want to promote from within. Maybe they do hire someone that's in the playoffs right now. I don't know, but this is a very important decision because it's ultimately going to affect, you know, what Tua Tungvalu becomes. And, you know, whether Brian Flores likes it or not, or not, his his wagon is hitched to Tua Tungvalu. Exactly. And let's kind of jump jump into it there. The the article that everyone's been talking about, and it, it's a little frustrating to me where uh, these type of stories are being written, and yet the local media surrounding the Miami Dolphins aren't the first ones to break the news of who the Miami Dolphins are pursuing as an offensive coordinator. But instead of trying to figure that stuff out, we have uh, Armando Salguero, the Miami Herald, basically writing a smear piece about Tunga Valoa. Uh, He used some unnamed sources. And I understand football isn't life. It's about having fun. So these things, you know, I get people not liking using unnamed sources. But at the end of the day, football is about grabbing our attention. It's about... making that cycle 24-7, like I mentioned at the top. So that's where these type of pieces come in. They add that drama. They add that suspense, especially at the beginning of the offseason. And long story short, it was, you know, Chris Greer and Brian Flores saying, you know, Tua's our guy. We support him. He's going to grow. And then players kind of scratching their heads saying, you know, we didn't see that development from him. Why are they saying he's the starter? Yet uh, they preach competition at every position. And, and I think the first thing that really sticks out to me Uh, It doesn't matter what Brian Flores, Chris Greer, any of these guys say to the media because they don't have to be honest. They do not have to be honest whatsoever. They can kind of just go about it, keep the peace until they make a move. And that's kind of seems like what they've done, whether it was Josh Rosen, whether it's saying the offensive coaching staff was going to be put all together. It just kind of seems like that's the route they're going to go. Yeah, and one thing to just touch on with these anonymous sources, I mean, we see it, you know, I think it was Vince Beagle, he showed the Jack Nicholson, like, yeah, I went to Sean Watson because they think he liked a photo of him in a jersey swap, and Dolphins Twitter just immediately thought he was one of those anonymous sources and started bashing him, so please take a step back, I think they did the same thing with Lynn Bowden, so everyone take a step back, that doesn't mean they're the anonymous sources, and let's be honest, who would have an issue with Tua on this roster, it would be those players that we're a little bit infected when, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the game. Mike Kosicki, perhaps. Devontae Parker, perhaps. I'm just throwing names out there, but we should have just jump on every player who likes a Deshaun Watson jersey swap. 
And Josh, this this piece really gave me the vibes. Do you remember there was a story about Ryan Tannehill and practice squad defenders or something like that? Th- this gave off that same sort of vibe uh, where it was just kind of people saying uh, Tua didn't impress in practice, different things like that. And you kind of hit the nail on the head while saying it, it's probably people who were impacted by Tua's play. And again, that could mean literally anybody. Practice squad players could have played worse or better because of what Tua was doing. I don't know. We don't know. And you're right. We can't really label it on one person or another. And my big thoughts about this boiled down to one thing. Aaron Rodgers, he sat on the bench for three years. I have a quote right here from Tyreek Hill who said Patrick Mahomes was trash when he was a rookie quarterback. I think it's annoying to kind of sit here and define a player – by one one season, right? You know, there, there's a lot of development that can go on. There's a lot of things that can change. We're already putting Tua in a box in terms of he's accurate and that's it. And and that kind of frustrates me. And on top of that, accuracy is the number one thing you want in the NFL. So, I mean, this whole thing's strange and it's a little unusual. And, man, long story short, it makes for a very uh, dramatic start to the offseason. Yeah, dramatic or tiresome. I mean, it's a little bit of everything, isn't it? And it's just crazy because the season just ended two weeks ago and we're sitting here. Some fans ready, want to get rid of Tua and draft a quarterback. Some fans obviously, you know, want to go after Sean Watson, as we discussed. But, you know, the most likely scenario is Tua Tungvaloa is the Dolphins starting quarterback. We mentioned how important that next offensive coordinator is to his development. And, you know, it's twofold. It's just as important that we bring in some of those weapons. And one thing we're going to talk about um, later in the week and, and next week, we're going to touch on the senior bowl throughout the week. But, Devontae Smith, you know, I mentioned a little bit ago, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris. I mean, those are two guys that the Dolphins could absolutely go after. Devontae Smith is going to be at the Senior Bowl now. Could they use that third overall pick? I mean, you have it written down here. They're slated at $32 million in cap space next year. There could be a lot of rosters moves made. I think it was Barry Jackson mentioned, you know, they could get rid of Bobby McCain and Jakeem Grant, some of these other guys to kind of fit Deshaun Watson under contract here. But right now the Dolphins are looking pretty darn good. I mean, they got four top 50 picks. Again, how many teams honestly passed up the Senior Bowl? And, and do you think, you know, they could not have thought that they were going to be without the NFL Combine this year? Because how valuable is it that the Miami Dolphins, you know, they, they yes, they have the third overall pick from Houston, but that is not why they're in this. They're not. That's not why they're coaching this. It's because there were so many teams that had, whether it was Overture, whether it be a new head coach, you know, coordinators aren't in place. And they just simply passed it up. Brian Flores and his staff's going to be there. And again, two of Tua's prime time targets in college are going to be there right alongside of him. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. When I look at the senior ball, yeah, I'm excited. You know, uh, Smith and Harris have no reason to be there other than maybe chat with the coaching staff to get an idea of what they're all about, get an idea of, hey, are we targets for them? Because we can sit here and, and spew for hours about how these guys would be perfect for Tua. But we got to trust what the Miami Dolphins are doing. And, and something I thought was interesting uh, Raekwon Davis was just named to the Pro Football Writers of America uh, all-rookie team, and he was the fifth pick by the Miami Dolphins, and, and that's really where, where I think the Dolphins are really focused when they're coaching at the Senior Bowl, bowl excuse me, those third, fourth-round picks, even the second round, those are the guys that the Dolphins uh, 
can really take advantage of that can make or break a team. When you have guys like Raquan Davis, like Brandon Jones having such a large impact in second and third round, I mean, I'm not saying it makes the first round picks feel less valuable, but hey, what it does is kind of show that we don't have these first round picks aren't make or break. This aren't really the the choices that can derail the franchise. Just like you mentioned the cap space, even though the Dolphins have 32 million, even though Barry Jackson went into all those different ways, the Dolphins can add cap space. None of their contracts really look messy. The situation the Dolphins are in is very clean with all the draft picks coaching in the senior bowl and having this money. It's, it's very, very well organized. And, and that is what I think I like so much about what the Dolphins are doing. Even we're not really talking about this, but even if they were to trade for Deshaun Watson, it's still organized. There's a path. There isn't a situation where you look down the road and this team is brutally hamstrung by bad contract after bad contract. The Dolphins last offseason signed a lot of guys to two, three-year deals, second, third-year options, where there's a lot of flexibility involved there. So I'm pretty excited about them coaching the Senior Bowl, and I'm going to give a call to action to our listeners here because our Deshaun Watson show was one of our most downloaded shows. We thank everyone who tuned in. Tweet at us. Just be like, hey, is there a new podcast coming today? Who knows? Maybe that'll be what we need to kind of kick up the pace a little bit. Again, uh, our apologies about this show coming out a little late, but that's not what this is about. Josh, tell me a little bit about Devonta Smith, what you like about him, and what he can really do this offense, and the chemistry he has with Tua and the importance of that. I think that's the biggest thing there is just the chemistry that it has with Tua. And, you know, we can sit here and we can argue day after day. And, I mean, every day, no one's wrong for saying Jamar Chase is number one wide receiver. I mean, he might be the most talented. And, again, I think a lot of people are discrediting what he can do because he did sit out this year. But to me, Devontae Smith is just, you know, something that we have yet to see translate into the NFL. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, a lot of people compare him to Marvin Harrison, but you look at his size and you just can't really pinpoint another player, you know, in NFL history that had that type of success. So Devontae Smith is one of those. He's a freak of an athlete and he's just something we haven't seen before. You see the pictures of him. I mean, he looks like a number two pencil almost, but he's going out there and making some of the craziest plays. 23 touchdowns this year, 1,859 yards, won the Heisman. Again, this is just a season that we have not seen. Uh, long story short, he can do a little bit of everything. You know, we see the way that they used him in that game uh, with, against Ohio State. I mean, they were scheming him open just when, with the motions they were using. I mean, I saw him break a guy's ankle that was on the other side of the ball before the ball was even snapped. I mean, he's an explosive player. He's not doesn't have that insane speed. He's not going to clock in. As you know, a, uh, was Justin Ross, the guy that broke the record many years ago. But uh, Devontae Smith can play inside. He can play outside. And again, I think what he has with that relationship with Tua is, is ultimately what could make the Dolphins draft him. And I know that sounds crazy. I know a lot of people say, well, you shouldn't have to have to bring in Tua's players in college to have help him have success. But again, this guy just had the best season that we've ever seen from a college-wide receiver. And again, he's going to mobile, which was not expected. He's going to be coached by Brian Flores. He's absolutely there. He can't play. He's got a dislocated finger he just had surgery on. He is there for one reason and one reason only. And, and in my opinion, that is to, to snuggle up to Brian Flores and explain to him why he is the reason uh, that they need to get him in here at number three or trade down, which, again, that's the obvious path to getting Devontae Smith is a trade down. Anyone that I, I wrote the article, take him at number three, no matter what. People were all over me about that. You're obviously going to trade down. That's always the number one option. Again, I don't think you have to bring in Tua's buddies, but bringing in Devontae Smith, a guy already has that uh, chemistry with Tua, it's going to go a long way in 2021 and beyond. I really dislike that tweet or that, that take, the fact that, you shouldn't need to bring in players that make your other players better. That is literally what the NFL is all about. And, and, and that had me literally screaming against the wall when I said, when, when people were out there tweeting that he, you know, you shouldn't need to get guys that fit, 
fit different guys' skill sets. Haven't we been screaming for years about how Brian Flores prefers the physical cornerbacks, the guys who are going to be up on the line of scrimmage? This is literally the same thing. Once these guys reach the NFL, it's all about synergy. It's how well guys work together. It's how well they have chemistry. That stuff is so important. It is so foolish to say, well, we shouldn't bring them in. That's that's not how you should do it. Every system, every team has a different system, and every different system has different players that can impact it either in a good way or a bad way. Some players struggle in different systems. Some players become pro football Hall of Famers. It, 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 that was a very frustrating thing for me to read. Uh, but, but Devonta Smith, I mean, we shouldn't – that even shouldn't be the mindset because this dude had 23 touchdowns this year. And again – I'm going to preface this by saying I understand college and the NFL are two completely different animals. Professional uh, statistics shouldn't be compared to college football statistics. But I do want to kind of use these 23 touchdowns to kind of put things into perspective. In the history of the Miami Dolphins, only one receiver has caught more than 12 touchdowns in a season. That was Mark Clayton. He did it three times. He has the franchise record for 18 touchdowns in 1984. He had the GOAT throwing him the football. In the history of the Miami Dolphins, Ricky Williams has 16 rushing touchdowns, most in team history. Neither of these are close to what Harris, uh, Smith does. And again, I know the, these are different animals, but what the Dolphins have legitimately lacked, there were four players in the NFL who had more than 12 touchdowns this season alone. Mike Wallace is the only receiver in the last 15 years to reach double digits. Now, could we put that 10 touchdowns up to 23 and say, hey, if Smith gets us 10 touchdowns, that would be incredible because what the Dolphins have lacked for such a long time are guys who are going to score you touchdowns. We gave Jarvis Landry gripe for so many years because he was a 20 to 20 guy. Hey, I remember Brian Hartline. I remember him putting up back to back thousand yard seasons and the Dolphins offense was still one of the worst in leagues. That's because these guys struggled to find the end zone. Smith, the 23 touchdowns, I'm not Again, holding that number to the sky, but he has a knack for finding the end zone, and he can do it from inside the five-yard line. He can do it from your own 25-yard line. He's a very flex, flexible, versatile player. I kind of look at what Devontae Adams did last week. I, he, I believe he got a touchdown inside the five-yard line from Aaron Rodgers, where he just motioned across the field, and it was a foot yep. race uh, between him and, and uh, Jalen Ramsey. Devonta Smith can do that. He is that type of guy, and that's where those that's what the Dolphins have missed. You know, we've seen a lot of go, um, field goals on fourth and inches, fourth and goal. To have a guy like that who, no matter what, you know, were guaranteed three yards at any spot of the field, that is such an incredible luxury. Uh, but, Josh, does Miami really need to draft a wide receiver at number three? Is that what this team needs to take them over the top? Okay, let, let me just start by saying that motion play that you mentioned with Devontae Adams is exactly what I saw in the national championship game where he just basically broke Sean Wade's ankles on the way to the end zone. You mentioned before you asked me a question, you know, does his chemistry with two, you know, how well did he do? In 2019, he had 68 receptions, 1,256 yards, and 14 touchdowns. He actually had more yards per catch last year with Tua than he did this year. And again, he had 68 receptions last year, 117 this year. So this guy's just getting better. And again, um, you know, you can sit here and you can say one way or the other, but what he could do to this offense would truly be game-changing. Like you mentioned, we've never seen it. But do the Dolphins need a wide receiver at three? You know, I don't know that they do. You look at this draft class, I mean, there's a 2-2 out. Well, you know, Rashad Bateman, there's different receivers that this team could target in the late first, you know, on day two, and even in day three. I mean, I think it was Jordan Reed of the um, Draft Network. He tweeted out today, you know, the success of some of those receivers drafted right. on day two, and it, you know, it greatly outweighs that first round, and, and that just goes back to, you know, we don't want to keep talking about Deshaun Watson, but people continue to say, you know, if you 
make that trade, you're not going to be able to get guys. That is completely false. So is is receiver a true, you know, the biggest need on this team? Uh, that's a tough question. I, I'm going to say I'm going to say it is. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say getting a playmaking wide receiver to add to Tua's uh, arsenal weapons is probably the most important. And then right behind that could be running back to pair with Miles Gaskin. But do I take him at three? I don't know. I think I look at the depth. I think I try to trade down and, and still have my cake and eat it too. But uh, it, it would be – if you pass on Devontae Smith at three and you pass on Jamar Chase there, I, I think at 18, you know, you're looking at a whole different tier of receivers. And I think that is why the Dolphins have to make sure they get their guy. That's a great point, and I have to agree with you. But I got to ask. At number three, Panay Sewell, I, I probably butchering that name. I know people are going to yell at me for it. Um, I think he did good. I think that's good. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. But, but so so <laughs> let, let's put him into the picture here. Because um, when I thought about the Dolphins drafting him, I went back to like the Cleveland Browns 10 years ago uh, I, when Alex Mack was young, uh, Joe Thomas was in his prime, and they had a really good offensive line. And they still really struggled. What would an offense look with Sewell at left tackle you move, I think, Austin Jackson to, to right tackle. You put Rob Hunt, who a lot of people think is a better guard than he is a tackle, at that right guard spot. And then you have Solomon Kinley, our boy, at left guard, who who was a mauler when he moved over to the left guard. I know his statistics, all, the whole offensive line, the statistics really didn't give them any props or anything. But I still think this was a solid group last year. I thought the offensive line was light years better what, than what it's been. Where does the, the let, let's look at this 2020 season having Sewell at left tackle and let's say Austin Jackson at right tackle? How many more wins do the Dolphins have? I, I'd say I'd say one, one more win. Yeah, I, I I think I have to agree with you. And on top of that, does Tua being a lefty have anything to do with this conversation? Is that worth bringing up, or is that just kind of an added? Uh, I don't know. I I, I, don't, stat, I don't empty fat. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know that it is. And I think the biggest thing to me out of this, and it just kind of was brought to my attention. Yes, we keep hearing that that Slater could be up there with Suell as far as that top offensive tackle, but uh, the quote came from Tony Pauline of Pro Football uh, Network, and it says, he's an upgrade over Austin Jackson, but I don't think he's enough an upgrade to use that third pick of the draft on him, and that to me was a little bit surprising because, yes, I agree that the Dolphins offensive line, you know, they have three young guys, they invested heavily in them last year. Do they now invest a number three? And again, this is a guy that many can say, they, they throw that generational word around, and I know I used it with Tua, so I, maybe I have no say in using it, but this guy was supposed to be that Laramie Tunsil tier of an offensive tackle. I don't know what the smear is. I don't know why all these little uh, nitpicks are coming out about his game. And, you know, that's what they do now. We heard we heard nitpicks about Tr Trevor Lawrence a few weeks ago, right? And, I mean, this guy is about as perfect of a prospect as we've seen. Yes, he has falls, but, I mean, this guy's up there with the Mannings and Lux, and that's kind of the same tier that Suell's in. So uh, I don't know how this ultimately shape up, but I think the biggest thing if they draft a Suell is, again, I, I go back to that Buffalo Bills game, and I just remember just watching – uh, Josh Allen just stand in the pocket and basically just yep. go through every read. And it was like, hey, okay, so he went through him once and didn't see it. And he went back and did it again. He was like a typewriter and he just had the all day to scan the field. So, uh, I mean, it ch it changes every day. And I hate that I kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it's just who, who I am or just that okay with what the Dolphins do here, but I kind of fluctuate all the time because then you think about that. And, you know, they can go out there and free agency and they get a Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson. You know, we saw Allen Robinson projected to go there. They could invest heavily on those skill players in free agency and then, you know, build the offense line of the draft get that young Najee Harris in the draft you know there's so many options here and I think you know whether we sit here and we take Swell at, at three whether they sit there and they take Smith at three you know maybe they take Chase at three or then they trade back you know whatever they do I think there's very little scenarios that Dolphin fans would be upset about and 
you know, how good does that feel to be in this situation? I mean, we said the same thing last year, and yes, we all wanted a quarterback. Many of us wanted Tua, but, you know, there were just so many options that the Dolphins could go that Absolutely. you were just sitting there feeling like, okay, I'm going to trust in Chris Greer and Brian Flores, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. Whatever they decide on doing, I'm fully behind, but I think if you bring in a guy like Sewell, what he can do, not only to everyone, I mean, we see the versatility on this on this offensive line. I mean, I think you move him at left tackle, you know, maybe you move um, Austin Jackson inside because I think he was even asked about Swell, and he said, you know, I can play anywhere on the offensive line. So lots of changes, oh, lots of versatile pieces here. And, um, it, again, it's just more ammunition, more smoke that the Dolphins have to use come draft season. And you kind of went back to my point, and the Dolphins have the flexibility to do anything they want. A disgruntled all, uh, superstar, again, it doesn't even have to be a quarterback, wants to be traded, the Dolphins can make that move. The Dolphins are in such a cool position where it's not one path they have to follow. It's not two paths where it's a uh, fork in the road and you have to pick one. The Dolphins have the entire world. They can venture off and do anything here. So, Josh, uh, I got two more questions for you. The first one, what is the ideal situation for the Miami Dolphins at number three? Personally, I would love if they can you know, trade down to six or seven, maybe get a first-round pick next year, maybe a second-round pick next year, something and Jamar Chase, Sewell, uh, Smith, one of these guys are going to be there. And I think you can really grab one. And if you wanted to be really crazy, I'd, use, I'd trade down and then use that ammunition to take 18 and maybe even trade back up. Maybe there's another one of those pieces because I, I keep going back to this quote, but I just thought it was so perfect. Mike Tomlin talking to Chase Young saying, I hope I'm never as bad that I can get a player as good as you, a.k.a. In order to get some of these pristine, amazing pieces coming out, not having to give them a big contract after they you know, want to leave their first team, you need to be really bad. And the Dolphins have an incredible luxury of they're not bad, and they have this asset in the draft pick where they can get a pristine guy. If they could finagle 3-18 into 18 into, let's say, 8-11 and 11 and get two stud pieces, that would be my dream. I don't know if they're going to work the phones that much. I think there might be one trade in that first round. But we'll have to see. Josh... With, with everything going on here, two at quarterback, what's the ideal situation at three that, that you'd like to see pan out? Yeah, man, I'm going to be honest. I think, you know, to trading down and just having these, uh, you know, this war chest of draft picks, I mean, that has to be why we are just okay with all these different scenarios, right? I mean, they put themselves yeah. in the driver's seat here. For me, and I hate to piggyback off of an, another writer, but the Draft Network's Benjamin Solik put out a mock draft the other day, and I think he had the Dolphins trading down with the San Francisco 49ers. I believe they have the 12th pick. Um, long story short, they trade down at 12, still got Devontae Smith, and then at 18, they got the linebacker Mika Parsons out of Penn wow. State, and then he went on to just keep drafting a bunch of monsters. So, I mean, I love Mika Parsons. I mean, I was even saying before the draft, you know, this is a guy no matter what. And then, you know, you slowly started to crip up there to the that top three pick, and the little stuff changes here. But if you can get Devontae Smith and, you know, one of those, and I hate to use that G word, but one of those generational linebackers, a guy that we haven't seen since, you know, a Kukli, I mean, this guy is going to change the way defense is played, and I'm, I would just sit there and remember the the look on Brian Flores' face, just how excited he was when they drafted Raekwon yep. Davis. I think you know he would be over the moon excited if he got a, a guy like Micah Parsons, you know, right after getting Devontae Smith. So that to me is the perfect scenario. I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, you mentioned trade down partners. I keep going back to Carolina. I mean, yes, they have Teddy Bridgewater, but they have to make a decision here. And you know, they got Matt Rule in place. They they got Joe Brady there. They need to bring in a quarterback, and that could be the prime destination for me. I think again, it all all goes back to what the Jets do because if they take Suell there, I think that opens up a cluster of teams that might want to mm-hmm. come up there to Miami because then you have your choice of that second quarterback in this draft. And, and whether it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, you know, a team would pay greatly to, to make that choice themselves. So, Josh, this one, 
this could be a scenario that happens, but I, I think it's just more of a fun topic. Uh, if you had to pick one, Devonta Smith or Najee Harris, uh, to be on the Miami Dolphins, who, who would you pick? Yeah, and I'm just going to – I did do a poll before that national championship game. 82.3% said Devontae Smith. But well, the way I looked at it was if you're using the number three on Devontae Smith and then you couple in, you know, just how well this receiving core classes is this year, yes, running backs are a dime a dozen. But I think Najee Harris, you know, again, I love Travis Etienne and I love some of those other backs. But I think what he can do in this offense, complemented with a Miles Gaskin, a Salvin Ahmed, again, you know him and Tua are BFFs. I think I would rather use the 18th pick on Najee Harris than maybe the three on Devontae Smith. And that is not a knock against Smith at all. I just think that um, I guess I think that what he could do complemented with what the what the backs the Dolphins already have, uh, you know, that would be that game changing run game that we truly lack. And the Dolphins haven't had that for such a long time. I mean, I think Reggie Bush got a two year contract. And before that, obviously, you know, getting Ricky Williams, but. Since the, I can't think of the Dolphins investing a lot into a running back. I mean, Lamar uh, Lamar Miller was a fourth-round pick. I believe uh, J.H.I. was a fourth-round pick. So the Dolphins really haven't used a lot of capital in running back. And, you know, I think for, for Tua, having a stud at running back is just going to help him so much. I think I would rather use the 18th pick on Najee Harris than maybe the three on Devontae Smith. And that is not a knock against Smith at all. I just think that, um, I guess I think that what he could do complemented with what the, what the backs the Dolphins already have, uh, you know, that would be that game changing run game that we truly lack. And the Dolphins haven't had that for such a long time. I mean, I think Reggie Bush got a two year contract and before that, obviously, you know, getting Ricky Williams, but since the, I can't think of the Dolphins investing a lot into a running back. I mean, Lamar uh, Lamar Miller was a fourth-round pick. I believe uh, J.H.I. was a fourth-round pick. So the Dolphins really haven't used a lot of capital in running back. And, you know, I think for, for Tua, having a stud at running back is just going to help him so much. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting conversation, and it's one worth having. But I do you think know, the Dolphins— the big- Sorry, the biggest thing we got to talk about is, you know, none of the everything can change, you know, with the free agency. And that's the biggest thing here is what are the Dolphins doing free agency? And before we get off of here, Jake, give me one free agent. And this could be offensive, defensive. You know what? Let's just make it offense. Give me one offensive free agent that you would like the Dolphins to bring in to help Tua Tungvaloa in 2021. I have to go Allen Robinson. He He's completely stolen my heart. I, I've been a big fan of him since he was in Jacksonville. Um, I think he's just a very flexible guy. I think you can line him up inside, outside. And, you know, I went on the rant about how you don't bring in players uh, who don't fit your system. And people might say, well, he's like Devontae Parker. And Devontae Parker doesn't really fit what uh, what Tua does well. And I'm going to disagree with that. I think Allen Robinson is a step above uh, Devontae. And this is no bash of Devontae Parker. I think he is awesome wide receiver. But I think Robinson, uh, with a good quarterback, is a top five uh, wide receiver in this league. I think he would be an incredible weapon for Tua to have. And, you know, if you kind of put together a trio of Devonta Smith, Allen Robinson, and Devontae Parker, that is a legitimate squad. I think it's important to keep in mind when the Dolphins um, take the field on offense, they like to, for Tua to be successful, you want three, four, 
consistent wide receivers, right? You know, we saw backups dropping balls. We saw the narrative around Tua might be a little different if, let's say, Jakeem Grant caught a bomb or two from him or or Lynn Bowden was able to break one free. Uh, Lynn Bowden's going to be a great option on this team next year, I think. Uh, but, but I think what Robinson brings in terms of star power, in terms of depth, would be incredible for the growth of Tua. I think he's consistent. He's in, on the field every single week. I, I just think he's the guy. I know, again, he doesn't fit what you want, but hey, at the end of the day, talent is talent. Yeah, you just need playmakers in there. I mean, let's be honest. They just need to get some weapons in here. Maybe they don't go with that high-priced free agent wide receiver. You mentioned Allen Robinson. I might I might be going after, you know, the the guy at the top of that list, and that's Chris Godwin. And, I mean, mm-hmm. you probably see it from us being a fantasy league together. I'm, I'm pretty high on this guy. I've been very high on him dating back to his day at Penn State. Uh, you mentioned the drops, and it's it's kind of a bad time for me to bring this up because uh, I know Chris Godwin had a bunch of drops, you know, throughout this postseason. So uh, I think, you know, that isn't necessarily who he is, but I think what he can do to this offense, again, just like Allen Robinson, I think he's a much different, you know, skill set. I think his skills would better fit what Tua might need in here. A lot of other people continue to mention Juju Smith. I mean, that's a name to throw out there. And then if we're talking about running backs, you know, I keep hearing Aaron Jones' name. So those are just some free agents, but I think you and I are both on the same page. They need to bring in a veteran wide receiver here. And, uh, you know, a lot of people overlook Allen Robinson because he has been catching passes for Mitch Trubisky his entire career. Um, You know, so I think those two guys are definitely worth looking at, but there's a list. Yeah, and Blake, oh God, yeah, and Blake Bortles. I mean, there's a, there's a laundry list of, you know, options the Dolphins have, and again, it's just they're in great position because I think we, I was looking at when you talked about it, 2019 they had like $66 million in dead cap, and then last year was $37 million. And I think in 21 it's like 480000 I mean, you just see how well this team has just managed to just – from top to bottom, just turn everything around. Before we let, before we end this episode, Jake, I just want to get your final thoughts on just this entire thing. Because again, when we talked about Deshaun Watson, it was not a knock against Tua. It was just investing right now to get a top five quarterback in here to play alongside this defense. And again, we can sit here and we can argue day in, day out. You can flip a coin. I mean, there is no right or wrong answer. I mean, if they end up with Deshaun Watson and they build around Tua Tagovailoa, there is no wrong answer here, Jake. But tell me why the Dolphins are ultimately, and I think they ultimately will, go in the direction of Tua Tagovailoa. What must they do this offseason, and how are they going to look moving forward? I think you look at uh, the the last two remaining games, the, the conference championships here. You got Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen, who, as much as I hate to admit it, is becoming an absolute monster. You got Tom Brady, and you got Aaron Rodgers. These are four of the strongest, most talented quarterbacks in the last 10, 15 years. And I think it's important to keep in mind that Tua can get there. I think we all see a path for Tua to get there to just be this surgical, uh, unstoppable force that's going to be mistake-free and just kind of pick defenses apart, dissect them, and really let their his wide receivers eat. But at the same time, man, you're right. I, I hate how uh, dividing this topic is because I don't think saying that you'd want someone like Deshaun Watson on the Miami Dolphins is any bash on Tua. I think these are healthy conversations to have. This is what football is about. I mean, it's these conversations. It's trying to build a team that can reach the playoffs. And, you know, Josh, Deshaun Watson, I can see his name being there in that conference championship. And you look at this defense that the Miami Dolphins have built right now, they're ready to win a Super Bowl. The takeaway, they're the only team in the NFL to take to have a takeaway in all 17, 16 games, excuse me. I think it's even 23 games going back to the 2019 season. And I'm not saying that defense is going to shut down Aaron Rodgers or shut down Tom Brady or even shut down Patrick Mahomes. But what we saw in that Chiefs game, what we saw every week, even against the Bills, this defense can take away the football. And if you give someone like Deshaun Watson one more opportunity uh, compared to Patrick Mahomes, 
that could be the difference in a game. That extra touchdown is how you win. You've got to score those points. And with Tua, what they need to do right now is focus on hiding the growing pains. Every young quarterback has growing pains. The Deshaun Watson path speeds up the whole story for what the Miami Dolphins want to do. We're skipping to like the middle of the book where things get really exciting. Uh, I guess the big question, whether you want to go the Tunga Bailoa or the Watson route, is if we trust this defense is going to be that driving force for years to come because it's going to have to be baby steps. It's going to have to be get a wild card berth. Then the next year, maybe they win a playoff game, and then they're ready to really compete. Is this defense going to look the same? Is Brian Flores going to be able to keep that consistency? That's why we brought him in, but it's not that simple in the NFL. Injuries happen. Players get old. Maybe you give up a bad contract or two. When you go with Tungvaloa, I think the room for air, short term, there, there's a much larger margin, right? You can really use that flex- flexibility in that pathway. But when you sign Watson, everything changes. The process is sped up. You look at the defense, you know you're confident. You use whatever second round, third round picks, free agent money you have left to get those last final pieces to really build in. That was my speech, Josh. I'm sorry to make you go through it, but but this is what the Twilight Zone in terms of Finsider Radio, is all about. We went down both paths. We have looked at what the Dolphins look like in both situations. And I think, you know, you've admitted it. You'd rather stick with the Tunga Valoa route, and I think I would too. But at the end of the day, man, you, you said it best. If Deshaun Watson is traded to the Miami Dolphins, we're going to be running down the street to go find somewhere that has a Watson jersey for sale. Absolutely. We'll be running down the streets naked, but we will have a mask on. One quick nugget that I have to throw out there is it came from Pro Football Network's Ben Albright. He just released an article, and this is the quote. He said, that's the one you can probably put in pencil right now is Devontae Smith to the Dolphins. So I'm not moving off that at all. He's very intelligent and understands that even though he's not going to be playing, this is an opportunity to get in front of the coaching staff and make his case. And again, it just goes to the entire thing that he is going down there to try and wheel and deal and make his way to Hard Rock Stadium where he just had that monster first half. You mentioned what you think about Tua Tumvaloa. Me, I mean, I don't even have to sit here and tell you that, again, I think this guy has all the talent in the world. I think what you got to do is sit there and look at what they did with Drew Brees in New Orleans. No, they truly did not have – I mean, I think the Dolphins' defense from what we've seen early in uh, Drew Brees' career uh, is is better. But I think, you know, Drew, the New Orleans Saints, you know, they have that tough defense. And then they had the offense, and they built that offense around Drew Brees. I think the skill set's very similar, so why not just look at that – Make that the blueprint, but you mentioned it. You get Deshaun Watson here, and you know you're not necessarily screwed with the cap situation, but you do not have you don't have close to the flexibility that you have that you, with a rookie quarterback under contract. And as we see in the NFL, you know that is how these teams ultimately win the Super Bowl, and that is the path the Dolphins are on. I think ultimately they stick to their guns, but uh, you know wh- who's to say what the Dolphins ultimately do? And that's you know the thing, Josh. There's so much going on. It's so exciting. The season just ended, and. I'm excited that we're talking about this instead of soaking up that loss to the Bills, thinking about how we're going to get out of salary cap hell, which has seemed to be the case for the last 10 years. The future is certainly bright, one direction or another. The Dolphins are in a very, very exciting spot. There's a lot of situations uh, to come. And, you know, I think the best way to end this is, is, is thank you to our listeners. Last show, like I said, we got some of the when it was one of the most downloaded shows we've had in a very long time. So thank you, guys. Uh, be sure to follow Josh on Twitter. I mean, he provides it if. Anybody mentions the word Dolphins on Twitter with any type of knowledge that should be shared, Josh is sniffing it out. He's always sharing it. At Houts, go ahead and follow him. I really don't tweet enough that I think that's 
probably my big problem, but go ahead and hit me with a follow if you'd like. I'm at jmendel94. And if you're liking what you're listening to, you want to get through this offseason with us, smash that subscribe button. We got a review recently that, that just was someone saying, hey, keep up the good work. We love you guys. That I mean, that that's really why we do this. We're here to have fun. We're here to talk Miami Dolphins football. And we're here to do it with you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Josh, you have any last words before we jump out of here? Nope. Just thank you so much for always supporting us. And again, if you ever want to reach out, our DMs are open. Leave us a review. And, you know, we hear it's going to be a long offseason. And we're going to be here to take you every step of the way. Thank you so much for listening. For the Jake and Josh Show here on Finside Radio, I'm Josh Houks. For Jake Mendel, we'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up, baby. Let's do a cook. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the